Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What is up, Rockstars? It's Matt Johnson back with another fantastic conversation on the UX Podcast. And if you want to speak on stages and more specifically want to turn speaking engagements into demand for actual clients, so in other words, you speak in front of a room and people go sign up for your coaching, they're consulting, or they come up after you and they hire your agency to do work for them, whatever the case is for you, speaking engagements can be awesome. They can be very fulfilling and satisfying and, and incredible in a lot of ways. The problem is if you're looking to use speaking engagements to sell, but the audience doesn't convert, that can get very frustrating. So if you'd like to prevent that, or if you're experiencing that right now and you want to fix it, this is the episode for you. So our guest is Erin Lohman-Jeck. She's the host of the Transformational Speakers Podcast. She is a coach to transformational speakers. She has coached many people on how to get onto TEDx stages, and she's brought a behind-the-scenes part of that process of selection for a lot of TEDx conferences and things like that. So she has a really deep background in coaching other coaches and consultants and speakers on how to get on stage, but then once you're on stage, how to actually create a deep connection, which is the key to generating demand. So we talk about with Aaron the four components of deep connection, the three things that we all need to include in our story, which is fantastic. And if you think you're not the person like I do, I don't really consider myself that I have a lot of great stories. So if that's you, doesn't matter. Um, you can use these three steps to help you create great stories out of the stories that you already have that you probably don't think are that compelling. And finally, we're going to talk about why eyebrows are important and why you should raise them and move them more often, uh, which is pretty funny. So Aaron is a blast. This conversation was awesome. We got deep into a lot of really cool stuff. If you've ever thought about speaking on stage or if you're currently speaking on stage and you want to do it at a higher level and convert those speaking engagements into clients, let's jump in with Aaron Lomanjek. Aaron Lomanjek, officially welcome to the UX Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, me too. So we're going to have a super fun conversation. We're going to talk about how to actually turn uh, speaking engagements and speaking gigs into real actual clients, like people that breathe and, and write you checks and, and sign contracts, which is, which is awesome. That's kind of the point. So there's a lot of people that out there uh, that want to speak and uh, they're looking at, at that as a way to generate clients. And, and that, do, that does work uh, in general, but you see it probably not working as, as effectively as you would like. And people are not getting as many speaking engagements and they're not closing people in the room. So let's, let's break that down a couple of ways. So first of all, just in general, what do you see that works nowadays just to get more speaking engagements that actually put you in front of the right crowds, not just any crowd? It's outbound marketing. Like, mm -hmm. I think people really just want to hire that out. They want to do something. They're like, I don't know. It really is just reaching out to people. Event organizers are always struggling to find speakers, but speakers don't know that they're struggling to find them. And so you have to go to them. If you yeah. attend a meeting, you attend their workshops, their meetings, their meetups, whatever that is, okay. and then talk to them. Hey, here's what I'd love to offer your audience and find out if it's a good fit for them and make it, make it a win-win. Okay. So, uh, so if you don't, if you don't attend the event, uh, and get hooked up with the event organizer there, that's one of the things I've always wondered about is how do you get in touch with the people that are behind the scenes? How do you reach them? If you're just looking at an event from the outside, 
you see it online or you see your buddies speaking at it, your friends speaking at it, and you go, hmm, I want to speak at that event. So what's the best way to reach out and find the right person that you're supposed to contact directly? Yeah. You, I mean, usually it's always posted. So I think what people, there's this misnomer of like, Oh, there's this mystery person out there. (laughs) Like in Eventbrite, there's a list organizer, reach out to them. If you're like, if it's just a big website, you can look through and usually click on sponsorship information, contact us, any of those things and be like, it might not be you, but could you put me in front of, right? The organizers who's in charge of the speaking um, the speakers on your on your stage, you okay. know. I think that right there is a huge thing. Follow, you know, friend them, follow them, start pouring into them and their audience, and that usually will get you on anyone's stage. Good. Well, that sounds way too simple. So it must be more complex than that. I'm gonna I'm gonna not listen to that. I'm gonna go find some other more complicated solution. Uh, so huh. <laughs> let's yeah, talk about. Go pay uh, somebody for more complication. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, where the, that's where the secret free coaching is or the, uh, the paid coaching. Um, let's talk about like uh, generating demand, right? So, so you give a speaking um, presentation okay. um, and you, you know, nobody comes up and asks you for your service, right? Crickets. Or, or you get the, hey, that's awesome. I'm going to go home and implement that and I'll let you know Good how job. it went. It's like, great, awesome. That's fantastic. That's not really the point. So what do you think is the difference between speeches and presentations that create demand and those that don't? Deep connection. So I just went and spoke, spoke at Toastmasters here in Seattle. And usually Toastmasters doesn't bring in another speaker. However, this was their, their charter membership kind of thing. They did it to have me come and teach about how to get on a TEDx stage. And when I went in there, I also had the mindset that a lot of people that – Uh, go to Toastmasters, don't invest in themselves because it's more of a free or a low end kind of thing. So I actually went in, gave so much value and I offered a $197 online product. And what literally happened was I've closed four one-on-one clients from it. There was only 20 people in the room. I closed four people buying the course and four people working with me one-on-one. So out of 20, that's eight. Yeah. And two more that are on, like I'm meeting up with later. So it it could possibly be that too. But what I think is the problem is we don't deeply connect with our audience. So what I would say is there's the four main components of a compelling communication. 50% of what is being taken in by your audience is how you carry yourself, your nonverbal communication, your facial expressions. And then you go into the next part, which is 30% is your vocal tonality. Now, especially since we're on a podcast right now, you can hear the difference in my sounds when I use different parts of my tonality. I can go really high and be excited, and I can go really low and bring it back and be somber. So if you take people on this roller coaster, you actually create a melody with your voice. And if you think about it, how many lyrics to songs, if we turned on the radio, could you do, right? Yeah, a a lot. lot. Yeah, because it unlocks the episodic part of our memory. So you actually become very memorable. And Mm then the 13% is storytelling. Now, this piece is really important because you can't tell the story like me, me, me. I woke up this morning. I brushed my teeth. I got got in the shower. I got out of the shower. That's so much of what people are doing. Look at my big house. Look at my big mansion. Look at my Mm -hmm. boat, whatever. But if you actually tell your story in a way that helps the audience connect with your story and find themselves in it. I mean, look at movies. We're looking for, we always want the underdog to win, right? Yeah. That's because somewhere in us, we felt like the underdog. Mm -hmm. 
So if you can unlock someone's story in the audience, while you're telling your story, you have oxytocin releasing in your body mm-hmm. and it feels really good. <laughs> and when you tell it and the people in the audience actually deeply connect, their oxytocin flows and now you're bonded. So oxytocin is the one chemical that bonds all humans. So if you want to tell a story that's universal, I say there's three things that you should address in your, in your story. Okay. What was I thinking? What was I feeling? And what was I experiencing my physical body? That's okay. a human connection. So okay. it doesn't matter if I was speaking in China, if I was speaking in Russia, if I was speaking in the United States, we all have these things in our human body that we feel like if I'd say, have you ever been so mad that your fists clench and your chest is on fire and that one vein starts to pop? Even if you don't have that vein, you're there. You know what I mean, right? And so you're thinking about, oh yeah, I've been there. And that's what really deeply connects audiences. So when they see you as, oh, she knows exactly what I'm going through. She knows the route to the top of the mountain. She's the person I need to hire. Mm. That's how you close clients. Okay. So nonverbal, vocal tonality, storytelling. Did I miss one of the components? The of last deep piece is your words. Words, okay. 7% is your words. It's nothing. But mm. people get so stuck on, I have to write my speech. Well, you yeah. should write stuff out. I, I don't memorize. I'm an extraneous teacher. I teach my three-day speaker summit extraneously. Mm. But you should have some kind of guidelines that you're going on. Mm. And when you, when you do that, you know, choose very powerful words. You know, I always think that people use very wishy-washy words like, oh, I'll try to make it. I might make it to your house. Oh, you know, I'd love to, but, you know, that doesn't instill confidence in anyone. So what, if you are looking at your words, look at just being very powerful and centered words that drive people to action. Okay. And so you take a stand for them. Okay. Uh, let me let me float a theory by you, uh, and this goes to partially to copywriting and marketing, and I wonder if it applies to speaking too. Um, I feel like a lot of people, when they want to make a point or they want to um, really drive something home, they'll tend to use a lot of adjectives and adverbs, and you know, awesome, epic, the, something, the words that describe, right, words that embellish, as opposed to just stating a better idea more clearly. Um, so is that, I don't know if that's something that you've noticed. Uh, it's something that I've, I've definitely tried to like step back and start monitoring my own communication to make sure I'm not using too many adverbs at too many adjectives, you know, just kind of hyping things up. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what I would say is that that's who you are. Don't change it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Tony Robbins drops the F bomb, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Gary V drops the F bomb. Yeah. You know that that's what you're going to get with them. So if it's monitoring and muting who you are, don't do it. Like I cuss like a sailor. I'm married to one. I'm not on stage. Not on stage. Not on stage. Really? Nope. Okay. Nope. Unless there's some real reason that I need shock value. Okay. I think I've said the S word once on stage. Okay. Uh, that's by the I, way, that's a hard mental filter to engage sometimes. It is. Yeah. And I mean, I do it all the time here and I don't know why it's when I'm in that mode, I don't do like, it's like no. turned off. And so it's really great. But I think what happens is if that, if you start toning those things down in your language, like mm. if I was to get really robotic and really not move my face at all, like I normally don't do, uh, it's really hard for me to communicate and really be engaged in my own, in my own stuff. Right. Yeah. 
because I am so animated. Your eyebrows are huge in communication and people don't even realize it. So now you're all going to be obsessed with watching my eyebrows. Uh, exactly. Yep. <laughs> I'm already thinking about it. I'm not paying attention to your eyebrows. I'm thinking about my own. I mean, come on. I know. It's all, it's all about me. That's how good I am, right? <laughs> so eyebrows, if somebody okay. hot walks by, what do you do? Okay. You raise your eyebrows. That you're showing interest. Even when you're speaking, and even if I'm speaking and it was just me to myself right now and I started doing it like on a video, mm -hmm. I look like I'm interested in you, right? Okay. If I do okay. this, this is really hard for me to do because they're always half cocked now. <laughs> I learned to have them like in between, like right there, but okay. here's my totally relaxed. Oh, so if I was to sit like this the whole time and talk to you and not move my eyebrows, you would feel like, wow, she's not as animated anymore. Yeah. And she's not as interesting, right? It's yeah. almost like the same thing. It's like doing the head nod when people are talking. Yeah. Doing the eyebrows makes you go, ooh, she liked what I just said. Interesting. So even if they can't talk back to you, doing it makes them feel like you're interested in them. Okay. All right. Now, that's an interesting one. I've never heard that. And that's something I'm going to have to like start What's cool about that, let me put it this way, is that's one of those tips that you can take and incorporate it in daily life and start making it a, a habit outside the stage. Because one of the hardest things about being on stage is trying to think about things like that, like body language, posture, yada, yada. So it's better, I think, to start getting those habits in, in daily life. That way, when you step on stage, you don't have to think about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm this person all day long. I'm very animated with my hands and animated with my face. Mm -hmm. It's just who I am. But when you see me with my kids, when you see me on stage, I'm the same. And so people yeah. like that consistency. So practicing it and I'll even, you'll even laugh at this. My three-year-old little girl, she'll go like this all the time <laughs> because she sees it in me. She's mirroring it. So I tell people, if my three-year-old can do it, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. So, so you feel like the, the main thing that separates people from speaking engagements that actually translate into clients is, is the deep connection, right? There's, so in other words, there's, there's distance, there's emotional and psychological distance, and we're not bridging that gap with the audience. We might be delivering good content, but we're usually focused on the wrong end of the triangle, so to speak. We're focused on the words. <clears throat> we're way less than the connection. And when we tell stories, we end up telling stories about ourselves that don't let the audience see themselves in the story. So we're doing all kinds of things wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And in storytelling, the beautiful thing about storytelling, instead of getting up there and telling me you have a big yacht and you have a big house and you have a whatever, instead of you tell me about a story, I was 10 years old, my very first speaking engagement, standing room only, was my dad's funeral tells you a lot about me at 10. Yes, it right? does. Yeah. Brave. Two lines, brave basically. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I'm telling you sure. about my character mm -hmm. in that, in even in, in, in telling that, in that part of my story. Yeah. When you can tell your story that tells people how brave, how committed, how amazing you are without you telling them they're amazing, they're all in for you. Right. And so that's, I think what, where the, the off piece is, is that people are like, let me tell you about me. So you know about me, about me. But when you do it in a way that's really bringing that in and I'll say like the, the next thing would be, and how many of you in here have ever lost someone? Now, all of a sudden the room opens up, everyone's raising their hand. I say, look around. Now, what I just did was I created a tribe mm -hmm. in the room. 
when I ask a question, and you've got to raise your hand high. I'm trying not to do this on video, but try to raise it high. So when you raise your hand high, you say, how many of you in here have a message you want to create a movement with? Mm -hmm. You show them that you want them to raise their hands. You have them look around and they see, oh, I'm not in this alone. I'm in my tribe and she's our leader. Okay. Automatically, you just set yourself up for huge positioning hmm. by asking a question. Okay. So, so two follow-up questions to that, and then maybe I'll, we'll, I'll let you go because I have about a million questions for you. But just, so just real quick, uh, number one, how much of that would you encourage people to put in their speaking sessions? Like how much audience participation, asking for their opinion, asking for feedback, raising your hand, that kind of thing? Is it, is, you know, too little, too much? Any opinions? I on do that? a lot. I'm kind yeah, of a, a lot conversational too. person. And I feel like yeah. more people want that instead of me talking at you, talk to me you know, and, and gauge the room, especially if you don't know the people in the room, the mm -hmm. Toastmasters people, I knew one person, but I know them socially. That was it. Mm -hmm. And so for me to get up there and not know where they are, how many of you speak in your business? How many have a career where you have to present? How many? So I knew how many are scared to speak? Mm -hmm. Who's overcoming the anxieties that before getting on stage? Cause I teach that too. So I needed to know where my audience is gauging them so then I know how to drive the conversation. If they all say, none of us speak, I'm like, oh, great. I've been there. These guys like sitting like this, they're all painters. And I don't know why this lady hired me to come and speak. But they're like, do me. And I was like, okay, wait, none of these people have to speak. So hmm, what can I do? How many are using advertising in Facebook Live? Well, you should because video converts. And then I went straight into that because oh, I knew nice. it wouldn't work, right? instead of just getting up there and doing a canned uh, speech. Okay, so that makes sense. Uh, I'm very much the same way, so that's good to know. It's good to like, confirm, confirm that. Uh, let's talk about, just for a second, the opening, right? So you have a split second to get their attention. You know, what do you encourage speakers to do in the first one to two minutes that they're actually on stage or, or maybe even in the moments leading up to when they're on stage? Because a lot of us get stuck in that weird no man's land where we're up front like waiting to be introduced and we're like, all right, so I'm kind of filling my hands here. Do I like talk to people? How do I start off when I've just been standing off to the side of the stage, like for the last five minutes? Uh, what do you recommend people do when to just uh, immediately jump in? Yeah. I first say, I love asking questions. Questions yeah. really, like I said, that immediately gets everyone on board and they realize that they're already a tribe and everyone wants to connect. So you have, I mean, I've done this for a five minute talk to a tech uh, tech industry. And they're all like, <laughs> they come in and sit in their seats and don't talk to each other. Right. Yeah. And so to get them to raise their hand and come together okay. was huge for them. And for them to go, Oh, look, I'm amongst my people. Right. <laughs> and physically you're opening up your body. So the one thing mm -hmm. that when we're in fear response, we want to cover our, um, the, the torso of our body, because yeah. this is the, the biggest part where we're most vulnerable. Yeah. So we do these natural things like stand behind a podium, hold a microphone tight like this. You know, we do things that block people from you. Mm -hmm. And if you can get your hand raised, you got nothing to hide and your other hands down to your side. I always say, stop thinking you have to do something with your hands. Keep them down. If you don't have anything to do with them. <laughs> Um, because people will take in the full body. But if I cross my arms or put my hands, I call those women hands in front of the uterus or they stand right. like this. Yep. Uh, is yeah, it's, that, it's a lizard brain thing. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. It really is. And so you have to overcome that and it takes practice because yeah. I used to be the hands over the uterus girl. 
Oh, did you? Um, really, you know it well then. Okay. Oh, I totally <laughs> do. Right. And then yeah, so, I was so you think it makes a difference? Phone. Yeah, as as the speaker, like it makes a difference on the audience if you open up your body language and because yes. you're showing them you don't have anything, you're not afraid of them, which yep. that helps them like connect and feel and more it, comfortable. And if like think about it, if I stood here and talked like this and I just kept talking, you would be like, "What's behind her hands?" Like something comes mm. off in our brains that you you don't even imagine knowing it's happening, right? The lizard brain part, you're like, ooh, what's, what is she hiding? What if I turn it around? You're like, oh. And so, I know, right? There's so many things like this that are crazy that we do. Like mine used to be pinning my elbows to my side. I talk a lot with my hands, but I would leave them pinned. Instead, I have to put air in my armpits, you know, always so that, so that you don't have anything to hide. What it shows is you're, you're not confident. These things. Yeah that yeah. you're doing are not showing up is not confident. So in your first minute, if you're doing that, your audience is out because hmm. you're keeping them out. Yeah. Love so it. Guess what they'll do? Open their phone and start scrolling. <laughs> yeah. That's a killer. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I'm glad to see I'm not completely screwing up. Thank, thank God for that. Cause I, I, I tend to be super questions heavy, especially right up front. I want to get a gauge of where the audience is that I'm speaking to. Um, so I'm not a big fan of like going up and like delivering like a killer line that I think is going to get everybody's attention. I would rather go up there and gauge the audience and get interactive right away. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm glad I'm, I'm semi on the right track with that. Uh, so I've got one last question for you before we do, what's the best way to connect and kind of get into your world and learn more from you? Yeah. So I have my websites, AaronLomanJack.com, and you can find resources, tools, free trainings. I actually have a freebie right now uh, that is on there that goes um, how to get on stage and, and create 10K out of it. Mm -hmm. And I talk about how to warm up your audience before you even get there so that you can pitch higher and higher price points and why that works with the psychology because my background is psychology. So it really helps people understand if you do have a speaking gig, how do you get to know your audience and how they get to know you before you show up so that they're already warmed up to you and the no like and trust is there so you can sell and make more money. Gotcha. And so that's also on my website and I have the transformational speakers podcast. If those people who love podcasts, I just started that in July. So there's about, I think there's 18 episodes out. Mm -hmm. So you can always go find some free information there. It's me. It's also interviews, but it kind of has both. <laughs> so we, which is funny because we started our podcast around the same time unknowingly because we weren't introduced uh, for a couple of months afterwards. I think I'm on episode 44 of my podcast. <laughs> we, we pumped out a lot of episodes. You know, I have like 25 God. in the can. Don't even get me started. Oh, okay, on that. good. All right. So we're, we're in the same, we're in the same boat there. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of transformational speakers, tell me a little bit about the agency, not just what it does, but I, I want to understand kind of where it fits into your world and why you're, you're starting an agency as opposed to just continuing to like coach, right? Yeah. I want to build a company. I want to build a $40 million company where people literally will fly in and say, Hey Matt, let me see all your stuff. And you lay out all your stuff. And I have, you know, designers there. I have website people. I have content writers and we all look at the stuff. Yeah. And then we say, okay, here's your best messaging. Let's get you started. Let's get you videos done while you're here. Let's get every, your one sheet done, your video reel, everything you need to be considered a professional speaker mm -hmm. so that you can go out immediately and start booking gigs. I think we get all this different information and maybe we might get something from branding over here, but it doesn't really line up with what we're learning about video and why that would work. And then we don't really know how. And so I, I, I mean, I really teach people how to take their, their message, create a movement, and build an empire doing it. 
And so I want them to know all the ways of income that they could bring in and not struggle. And so I want that in one house where it's not just always me. So I'm building to that right now. It's me and a couple people I, I, I um, hire out for things. Mm-hmm. But I really want to have a company because in my mind, I want to be the CEO of a company that I can employ people. Yeah. I think a lot of us that start out in entrepreneurship just is all about us and, and you know, bringing on a little team and you help. But I actually want to employ people. I yeah. want people to, to depend on me and depend on what we're doing and see the big vision and really change the world. And so that's mm-hmm. where I'm bringing the agency piece. And eventually what we'll do is then after the person's done, they could step into the agency part where people will be making outbound calls and doing that. But I'm not quite ready for that yet, the outbound what, calls, because I've you done mean, it. Having people on staff making outbound calls on behalf of your speaker clients to get yes. that. Speaking. Gotcha. Yep. Yes. And so far, it's just me. I'm the best co- coordinator of all that. I know tons of organizers. Mm-hmm. I meet people that put on events. So everyone's like, who do you know, Aaron, that speaks on this? Who do you know that speaks on this? And I just literally just connect people. Yep. So now it's like, okay, let's let the company do that and have a big database of it and have people that are just doing it. Yeah. So that's where I want to go with it. Yeah, and I think uh, it's funny because that's what, that's what UX is about is scaling up. I would say scaling up without employees though but scaling up an agency model to where you can have your one-on-one clients that are kind of uh, you telling them what to do and working with them personally uh, and then having kind of a scalable done with you service. Cause I think, I think every coach learns, learns eventually the same lesson, which is there's a point at which they need other skill sets in order for them to do what you're asking them to do. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's, that's when you have to make the choice of, okay, well, do I, do I continue to fight it by just telling them what to do and them not doing it? Do I refer them to someone who will do an unpredictable job of helping them do it? Or do I take this on and provide a service or an agency and just do the, do the part for them that I know they can't do with them for themselves? Uh, and I think that kind of combination hybrid coaching and yeah. agency model, I think that's, I think we're going to see a lot more of that over the next 10 or 20 years. Cause it's, it's, it, it solves, I, I think it's the only legitimate total solution for the problem where you control the outcome you as the coach. Right. Well, cause for me now what I do is VIP days where I'm like mapping the, like their whole year mm-hmm. out and all the business things. And I package price, help them with the talk, help them with the branding, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Oh my gosh, but now what <laughs> you just <laughs> gave me all of this and I have it on flip chart sheets, but now what? Yeah. And so I know they're going to need me to walk them through a lot of this stuff in the next six months, 12 months. Yeah. So it really has to be that done with you and for you and then alongside you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll have some more fun conversations about that. I know we'll probably bring you back like as you're building that out because those will be some really interesting and fun conversations to have about like how you're building that, which would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I have so much, this has been, a, you know, like a lot of fun. We could go for on for hours. Uh, I know we're actually going to flip over and we're going to record an episode with me on your podcast. So that's going to be a blast. So people should, should check that out. That's the Transformational Speakers Podcast. And then Aaron Lomanjek is the website for all the free resources and tools. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done-for-you podcasting service. Uh, That is my agency that I'm building and growing, and I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. 
You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes, and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.